most of us find the healthcare system totally confusing. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. In Getting Better Healthcare, Dr. Steve Feldman and his expert guests walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take charge of our own and our family's healthcare and what needs to be done for a healthier medical system. It's time to find out what to do. Now, here's Steve. Hi, I'm Steve Feldman, and this is Getting Better Healthcare. Thanks for joining us today. Today, our guest is a nurse educator with the Lupus Foundation of America, Dawn Isherwood. Dawn, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Dawn, let's start off with a little bit about what lupus is and and what the signs and symptoms of lupus are. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that affects, it is estimated to affect anywhere from 1.5 to 2 million individuals in the U.S. Uh, chronic means that this once you develop lupus, you have it essentially for the rest of your life. It is something that you will live with and, and deal with for the rest of your life. Autoimmune basically is friendly fire uh, within your body. Uh, we all have an immune system that helps fight against viruses and bacteria. And for unknown reasons, really, at this time, what happens is that immune system kicks in, and rather than going after viruses and bacteria, it forms antibodies or autoantibodies that go after your normal healthy tissue, causing inflammation throughout the body. I'm a dermatologist, and I specialize in taking care of patients with psoriasis, and they sometimes wonder if they have an autoimmune disease, but I think it's something different. Well, the... It is not uncommon, particularly with the skin issues, when one is looking at it uh, to to confuse um, visually skin issues that may occur with lupus and those that may occur with um, eczema or psoriasis. And that's where doctors like you come in um, that may need to go a little bit further than just a visual check and may need to actually take a sample, a punch biopsy, to look underneath the skin to determine exactly what may be going on. I think that's a, a good point. One of the things I like to, to say to the people with my psoriasis patients, patients with eczema, is that while those are immune diseases, they're not immune diseases where the body is attacking itself. Lupus is special in that way. Correct. It It is, while there are several different, different types of autoimmune diseases, um, it is essentially, as I stated before, kind of friendly fire uh, within the body against itself. Uh, lupus is an example of one. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's are other examples of autoimmune diseases. Now, we're in a modern scientific era, and you know, in the 18 years I've been taking care of patients with psoriasis, I've seen a lot of, of change, a lot of improvements in in the treatments we have available. There have been these new biologic medications, but a host of other treatments. I get the sense that patients with lupus haven't had some of those same advances that we've had in some of the other areas of immunological uh, medical science. Well, this is absolutely a great point. In fact, at, at the present time, uh, those that live with lupus um, – 
have only three medications that have been approved by the FDA uh, for use with lupus. Uh, very simply, those are an aspirin, steroids, are an anti-malarial medications, particularly Plaquenil. Uh, it has been over 50 years since a medication has been approved specifically for the use with lupus by the FDA, and this is something that doctors and researchers and organizations like the Lupus Foundation of America are working very hard to try and reverse. That's wonderful. You know, we in the dermatology world with our Psoriasis Foundation, they've been very helpful at developing the measures that companies use and educating companies about the size of the psoriasis market, which is another way of saying there's a huge unmet need for treatments that patients need. I get the sense that when people have a disease, whether it's psoriasis or lupus, one of the best ways they can band together with other patients and, and move things forward is to work through a patient advocacy group like the Lupus Foundation of America. Exactly, and we have a very uh, active advocacy department which goes out and we, we talk with the uh, FDA, we talk with congressmen um, and uh, senators about funding for this research. Um, one of the issues that, it, that we are really working on is uh, ex what congressmen are looking for for funding, what people are looking for for funding is what is the impact of this disease. And unfortunately, lupus is not one of those diseases where there has been a lot of research in. So it's very hard to be able to come forth to the science community and even governmental community to say, here is the impact of lupus on our economics of the United States, on our social uh, impact of it. Um, so right now, the LFA uh, has been working very closely with opening up registries to get a better sense on how many people are living with lupus, how many people are being di diagnosed with lupus, and what is the social economical impact on these individuals because of their lupus. When you get those numbers, then you can take more concrete numbers to the science community, to the pharmaceutical community, and to Congress and say, look, here is the impact on our society as a whole on how uh, lupus can affect it. And with those concrete numbers, then we're able to kind of push that meter just a little bit closer to getting the funding and the interest through the science community to do that research that is so needed for lupus. You know, as important as that kind of information is, I have the feeling that even if the Lupus Foundation had a, a, a well-done research paper that documented the, the magnitude of the disease, that the way politics works, if people don't become active themselves and get involved with the foundation and call their congressman, maybe visit their congressman, show them that information personally with a personal story, nothing happens. But if they do act themselves, working together with a foundation, getting out there and talking to their congressman, actually things do happen. Absolutely, and we encourage individuals um, that have lupus, family members um, that have that uh, family members of those with lupus, to uh, come and join us at the LFA. On our website, we have a section completely dedicated to 
the advocacy and how do we get the word out to the congressmen and the science community. And it's much better to go out in one strong voice, uh, banding together with this to uh, explain our stories, to, to let them understand about lupus. And um, we encourage everybody to, uh, to band together to do this. Well, Don, I want to come back to that point about uh, awareness campaigns a little bit and focus on what you're doing research-wise. I'm sure people with lupus want there to be a cure. They want their disease to be understood. There's very little they can do themselves. Working through the LFA, what kind of research can they be involved in? The uh, research that a person can be involved in is really dependent on how their lupus is affecting them. If you're talking clinical research, uh, we actually have a website uh, that deals with it's our uh, Center for Clinical Trials Education. And this explains how clinical trials work, how research works, how it can impact those with lupus and their family members that wish to get involved in in clinical research to to help forward our knowledge uh, of lupus and, and hope to get to new medications and new testings out there on it. Um, it is something that needs to be done hand-in-hand hand with your doctor uh, to be able to see whether or not uh, you meet criteria uh, for certain researches research uh, that is out there for clinical trials and um, to make sure that uh, you are in the best clinical trial for you and your family. Well, clinical trials are obviously a great way to potentially help an individual's disease. In this modern world, it seems like a lot of the advances going on in what causes disease comes from genetics. They're finding the genes for diabetes. Is there any effort to find the genes in people that that predispose them to having lupus and perhaps using that kind of knowledge develop more targeted treatments for the disease? Well, this is one of the the unique things about lupus. It is such what they call a a heterogeneous uh, disease in that there are many genes that are involved. To this date, scientists feel that there may be anywhere from 50 to 100 genes that may be involved uh, are laid out that could put somebody at a genetic risk for possibly developing lupus. Now, the funny thing is, is that, say, uh, I, have, I have a person in front of me, and we were able to do genetic testing and found that, that these 30 genes came together in a certain way and then triggered by something either hormonal or environmental that allowed the lupus to develop, and then I have another person standing right next to them, and they may have a completely different set of 30 genes that set them up for possibly developing lupus. And because of this heterogeneous uh, way that lupus works, that's one of the main reasons why it has been so difficult to find targeted genes for either testing and or targeting a treatment for people with lupus. Well, let me just remind our listeners, you're listening to, get her, to Getting Better Healthcare with Steve Feldman. Our guest today is Dawn Isherwood, a nurse educator with the Lupus Foundation of America. Okay, well, it sounds like on the research side, clinical trials hopefully are moving forward. 
and a basic understanding of lupus is going to be limited by this heterogeneity of the disease. Lupus seems to be a, a group of conditions rather than maybe one individual uh, genetic disease. All right, let's talk about awareness now. Um, what's being done to raise awareness of lupus? There are several uh, awareness uh, and advocacy um, areas that the Lupus Foundation is uh, involved in. Um, one of the things that we would love to have people uh, that are listening to this program get involved in is called Band for Lupus. And um, you can contact the Lupus Foundation um, at 202-349-1155 or get onto our website to join this Band for Lupus. And what this program is is to make to increase the awareness that it has been over 50 years since we have had a new medication for lupus. And by wearing that purple band or banding together with us, hopefully it will increase that awareness. Uh, we also have been working a lot legislatively. Uh, some of the goals um, are priorities that we're looking at through the LFA and working with our Congress with are accessibility to affordable medication, um, leading a national coalition to uh, help those individuals with lupus access, access medications, um, do a commission on a study on high out-of-pocket co-payments for those uh, with lupus. And through all of that, uh, we have been meeting with the Congress people. One thing that we're really looking at is securing a chronic disease designation and to secure recognition of lupus as a medically complex and substantially disabling or life-threatening condition uh, from our special needs plans panel. And this helps uh, as provided in the Medicare Improvements for Patients and Providers Act to try and to get more recognition that this is a unique uh, disease that needs to have unique care taken to it. Don, one of the ways I've seen other uh, patient advocacy groups gain awareness is through some sort of well-known national spokesperson. You know, I, I think Michael J. Fox put Parkinson's disease on the map. Um, maybe Mary Lee Tyler Moore did something for diabetes. Uh, certainly people think of Jerry Lewis in this regard. D does the Lupus Foundation have somebody like that out there leading the, the charge? Uh, well, recently, the Lupus Foundation of America has teamed up with Julian Lennon. Uh, a lot of your listeners may know him as the son of John Lennon from the Beatles. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are aware that uh, the song and song that the Beatles did a long time ago, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, that Lucy was actually a, a, a school friend of Julian's. And basically the story was that they were asked to do pictures of one another, and Julian and Lucy drew a picture uh, of each other, and Julian put diamonds in her eyes and, and took it home to John, his dad, and showed him that this is Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And the, um, the song uh, was prompted from that. Uh, Lucy recently, within the last several weeks, has passed away from lupus. Uh, she developed lupus at a young age, and Julian had kept in contact with her through the years. And Julian uh, is getting ready to come out soon 
with a song dedicated to his friend Lucy and has generously uh, donating parts of the uh, uh, proceeds from that to further research uh, for lupus uh, through the research initiatives of the Lupus Foundation of America. Wow. Well, that sounds like that could be a big help, though I really I have to check that story out on the Internet before I um, – it. Uh, who would have thought that uh, the uh, L, the S, and the D of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was about a real Lucy? All right. I'll, so we uh, encourage everybody, uh, if they st- look on our website uh, when the song starts to come out and to get on iTunes and listen to the song and download it to uh, help um, encourage the uh, proceeds uh, for lupus research. Well, that, that would be super. Remind me, what is that website address again? Um, our, the uh, Lupus Foundation of America is www.lupus. Mm-hmm. Dot org, and you can take a look inside uh, our What's Hot section or on the main webpage, and as information uh, becomes available, we will have it there. That's great. Now, when you have a disease that must be as incredibly frustrating for this, or it's a whole series of diseases, there's no cures for most patients... Um, there's so many ways in which a disease like this impacts people's lives. I get the sense that being a member of a support group is a, a, a valuable resource to people. Is that something that the LFA is involved in on a local level? We do. The, the Lupus Foundation of America has about 38 state chapters. And those state chapters run support groups throughout uh, their state. Uh, We encourage people to uh, join these support groups, to talk to members of these support groups. Uh, It it gives people with lupus a place to go because many times with lupus they feel like that people around them don't understand, that coworkers, even family members, may not fully understand because you can look at a lupus patient and say, well, you don't look sick. And yet inside there is real turmoil going on, both physically and emotionally. And so to be able to talk about the issues that can confront people physically, emotionally, uh, financially when it comes to treatments and medications, these support groups are a very good outlet for that. In those states where we do not have chapters, we have been very proactive that the national office has been uh, bringing up and supporting support groups within that area to help. So if somebody's doctor told them, you've got lupus, and the patient wanted to find one of these support groups, do they come to that lupus.org website? Come to the lupus.org website on our homepage on the front. You will find a section in the middle that says find a chapter. You click on that and go down the list to find your state and see if there is a chapter within your state that you can contact. It has website links and contact information for those chapters. If you find that your state does not have a chapter, please give us a call. Um, again, at 
349-1155. They will most likely put you in touch with the health educator group, uh, which would be myself or Jesse Norris, who is out in California, our health educator out in California, and we will do our best to try and locate a support group near you or get you connected up even with a, a support group online. Um, uh, we do have a message board, and we have almost 3,000 people through our message boards online talking daily to one another, and we have an active presence, uh, lupus presence on Facebook uh, that also groups will get together uh, virtually and online to help support each other and, and talk about issues. This is Getting Better Healthcare with Steve Feldman. I'm talking today to Dawn Isherwood, nurse educator with the Lupus Foundation of America. Dawn, I know one of the things that makes lupus worse is sun exposure. Uh, what should patients do about that? Lupus is one of those diseases. Uh, there are very few where significant photosensitivity or exposure to the sun can actually cause an increase in the disease activity, whether that is increased skin rashes or even uh, physical symptoms such as fatigue, joint pain, and so on. We recommend that uh, to try and stay out of the sun during the main heat of the day when the sun is out if you find that you are highly photosensitive. Uh, it is recommended uh, also, and we encourage that the use of sunscreens um, Whenever you go out, that there are several companies out there that also will provide protective uh, sunscreen clothing. So as best as possible, it, when you need to be out in the sun, if you could use some sort of a protection, a hat, a long sleeve shirt, a sunscreen uh, with a SPF of 30 or greater. I know being in dermatology, we have catalogs from a number of companies like Coolabar and one of my favorites, sunprecautions.com, uh, that sell hats the size of small tents and uh, lightweight, attractive, athletic-looking, full-length uh, shirts and pants and even uh, long-legged, uh, long-sleeved bathing suits. You know, I, I like to tell my patients that... Um, I got to take my family to Hawaii one time, and we went out on the beach there, and everybody, I tell you, everybody was protecting themselves from the sun. Big hats, long sleeve and long-legged bathing suits. I wonder if it's possible the fact that I took them there for a dermatology conference had something to do with that. Yeah, and that's exactly right. There are also some products that are out there um, that you can actually, with your cotton clothes that you have, wash in with your clothes, and it'll give it about, I think, 20 washes worth of UV protection with your own cotton clothes. And so that is also something, uh, if you feel like that you, you can't go out and specifically purchase um, things from Coolabar or sun, uh, the, sun the other groups mm -hmm. uh, that you might be able to do to help protect yourself. And the other thing, if I could bring up also, is that those people that are highly UV sensitive, that it might not uh, be the sun that some of these individuals find that spending extensive periods of time either at work um, or at home under UV lights can sometimes have uh, some 
increase in their activity from the exposure of UV from fluorescent lights. Wait, so, so you're talking uh, about that is something when else that individuals may want to look into. So you're saying when people are at home or at work under fluorescent light that there's enough ultraviolet light given off by those lamps that for a really highly sun-sensitive, UV-sensitive person, that would be enough to cause a problem? In some individuals, it can, yes. Now, a lot of people have to work uh, in, under fluorescent light. Our, our hospital is full of fluorescent lights. And what with the efforts to have a greener economy, uh, there's going to be a desire to move away from incandescent bulbs towards fluorescence that, although they don't give off a lot of ultraviolet light and maybe don't give off enough ultraviolet light, that it would affect anybody without special photosensitivity. It would be a problem for patients with lupus. For example, the nurses in our hospital, uh, they, they got to work. Uh, I can't see them wearing the big hats indoors. What, are they, what, what should they do? Again, uh, things like using the uh, sunscreen, um, the SPF 30 or greater. Uh, again, the, the protective clothing may help. Um, if those individual finds that, that they are having significant issues, it may be that they might need to talk to their HR person or their supervisor about somehow doing an accommodation or um, being able to change the environment around, if possible, uh, to help limit that exposure to the UV from fluorescent lighting. I think an accommodation at work makes a lot of sense. So you've got these big, long fluorescent bulbs in the ceiling everywhere in, say, a ward that you work in or a, at a desk you sit under. What kinds of things can the company do to uh, accommodate somebody who has lupus? There are uh, filters or the, the screens that go on top of those lights that can be purchased if the company, uh, if you approach the company and they're willing to do that. Um, Naturalux is one group uh, in California that actually designs uh, what they call uh, light filters. Uh, that filter out anywhere from 98 to 100 percent of UVA and UV lights coming from those uh, fluorescent lights that may be in the ceilings. This is something that you might want to talk uh, to your workplace about. Now, there is an expense to that, and so it will have to be some negotiation and talking with them um, and cost uh, benefits for the place at work, but it's certainly worth having that talk with. Uh, the Naturalux company uh, is soon coming out with filters that actually fit on those little uh, ice cream cone, what they call compact fluorescent lights that little we spiral take ones. home and screw into our lamps. And um, that may be uh, if you are needing to convert over or even would like to convert over to those compact fluorescent lights at home but have been afraid because of the, uh, the exposure or if you are highly sensitive – they are starting to come out with filters that will allow individuals at home to be able to, to do that transfer over to the CFLs. R roughly, what does it cost to put a sleeve on a fluorescent bulb? Do you know? The, you know, they're going to be selling them, my understanding, in groups of three filters. And um, I actually posed that question to the company about two weeks ago. And because it's a brand-new product and they haven't, actually gotten them off the assembly line yet. They're hoping in the next 30 days to. They had not set a price on those, so I, I don't know the answer to that one. 
What about for those standard long fluorescent bulbs, the four-foot ones that are so common in commercial buildings? Do you have any idea how much those, those run? It would depend. Um, again, they're usually specially made depending on the diameter of it, mm-hmm. and, and I, I do not have the, the cost on those, now. Okay. Well, um, but if, they, if you give me a call, or actually if they get onto the Internet, um, Naturalux, is the name of the company, and um, they can give them a call, and they will be glad to um, to talk to people about that. In fact, one of the owners, uh, his daughter, uh, actually has lupus herself, and so they are well aware of uh, how the exposure to UV and fluorescent lights has the potential to affect those with lupus that are photosensitive, and so um, they are able to sit and talk with people um, with some knowledge about this. Dawn, I, um, I imagine that most employers uh, probably love to make accommodations, simple accommodations like that they, they can use to help keep their employees uh, safer and well. If an employer was for some reason balking, probably because more often than not because they simply don't understand the issues, is there – some way that the Lupus Foundation of America can help people um, speak to their employers or better educate the employers? Sure. We actually have some information um, in dealing with this area on our website um, in a section about on the job. Um, Lupus does fall under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and your HR person will be well aware of, of the ADA Act. Uh, There is also the Job Accommodations website, which has a section specifically for uh, job accommodation um, for lupus, which outlines for your employer or your HR person what lupus is, how it may impact the individual, and then what are some possible accommodations that the employer may be willing to make. When it comes to exposure to UV, when it comes to working hours, um, when it comes to rotating shifts, so it's it's a very good resource for uh, individual with lupus to look at, um, get information from, and then take that information to their supervisor or HR person, and it, it kind of opening the dialogue with that. That can be so helpful for patients. Again, this is Getting Better Healthcare with Steve Fellman. I'm talking to Dawn Isherwood, nurse educator of the Lupus Foundation of America. The foundation's website is www.lupus.org. People were looking on the Internet for information, and, and they wonder whether they can trust the information. What kinds of things do you do at the Lupus Foundation to make sure your information is up-to-date and accurate? We are daily looking at our information to make sure uh, that it is up-to-date and as reliable as can possibly be. We have a medical scientific advisory committee that reviews um, all uh, literature pertaining to lupus, the diagnosis of lupus, the treatment, living and coping with lupus. We review that with them periodically. If new information uh, comes in either through research um, or 
through the, the science or medical community that needs to be updated. We immediately run this through um, our uh, scientific committee, um, making sure that it is correct, getting consensus on the accuracy of this data, and then uh, updating our information for the public. When people are concerned about having lupus, uh, they may want to start with their internist or family physician. What, what sort of specialists help them manage the disease? Yeah, absolutely. If an individual feels that they may be having symptoms that um, may indicate an autoimmune or a possible lupus, speak with your internist or primary care doctor who may be able to go ahead and do an initial evaluation, some initial lab work. If between your health history your current symptoms and that lab work, your primary care doctor says, you know, I think we need to take a little further look into this. They will most likely be referred to a rheumatologist who is considered the doctor of choice for the treatment, uh, diagnosis and treatment of lupus. Don, um, in our last section of the program, uh, I like to give listeners some specific advice. It, it can be specific about lupus or more generally about how to get great medical care. Tell me, wh what kinds of things would you want to let patients know? The first thing is to have a good relationship with your doctor. Again, because lupus can be so different in each individual. You want to be able to feel confident in letting your doctor know if you think you have lupus, or if you do have lupus, how your lupus is specifically affecting you. And so an open communication is really, really a must. Let's talk Working about that for a minute. your because... doctors, um, making sure that you follow a treatment plan, letting the doctor know if anything is changing in your health status, and then also on your part, trying to adapt your life to live the healthy healthiest lifestyle that you can with your lupus and, and accommodations that you may need to make. Plenty of rest, eating a heart-healthy diet, exercise when you can, um, making sure you follow, again, your, your treatment plan. All those things um, kind of coming together can, can hopefully make your day-to-day -day, uh, living with lupus just a little bit easier. Dawn? Um, I think that's a great point to end on. Um, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I know our listeners will have found this very valuable information. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you. That was Dawn Isherwood, nurse educator with the Lupus Foundation of America. You can find the Lupus Foundation of, the, uh, of America on the web at www. Lupus.org. Uh, I want to reiterate something that, that Dawn said at the very end of the program, and that's concerning having a great relationship with your doctor. Sometimes, particularly if you have a chronic disease like lupus, it, it can be very frustrating, and it's, it's hard not to allow that frustration to get between the relationship between you and your doctor. And I would encourage you Try to avoid letting that happen. If you ever feel like the doctor is in any way not meeting your needs, 
you might talk to the doctor about it, but people being people, you want to present it in a very positive way. If you, if even if you're well-meaningly telling the doctor how to do a better job, the doctors are under a lot of stress themselves. The, the disease like lupus isn't just frustrating for patients; it's frustrating for physicians. And I'm sure doctors have a responsibility to keep their emotions in check. Still, they're human. So if you want to give the doctor advice on on getting more up-to-date about lupus uh, or about making sure your concerns are being heard, just a little piece of advice. And, and this piece of advice may be of value to you in other arenas too. Start off by being positive. Let the doctor know how much you appreciate their efforts to stay on top of things, how much you appreciate the fact that they are willing to take care of patients with a chronic disease, and then mention, and you know, it might even be helpful if um, that, that the doctor might find some of these resources, particularly, for example, resources from the Lupus Foundation of America uh, to be helpful. It may be helpful to let patients know about these patient advocacy groups. But again, Present things in a positive, non-threatening way. Um, I, I think when, whenever you're dealing with anybody, it, it, it always helps to give them some, some, some credit up front, some positive reinforcement while you're giving them advice on, on how to do a better job. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank you for joining us. I'm Steve Feldman, and this is Getting Better Healthcare. I hope you'll join us next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today for Getting Better Healthcare. For more information about Dr. Feldman and about healthcare, please visit drscore.com. That's D R S C O R E.com. And we'll see you back here next week.